story nine of the crimson gardenia and other tales of adventure by rex beach this librivox recording is in the public domain story nine when the mail came in we didn't like montague prosser at first he was too clean he wore his virtue like a bathrobe flapping it in our faces it was whitewater kelly who undertook to mitigate him one day but being as the nuisance stood an even fathom high and had a double-action football motion about him whitewater's endeavours kind of broke through the ice and he languished around in his bunk the next week while we sat up nights and changed his bandages yes monty was equally active at repartee or roughhouse and he knocked whitewater out from under his cap slick and clean just the way you snap a playing card out from under a coin which phenomenon terminated our tendencies to scoff and carp personally i didn't care if a man wants to wallow about in a disgusting daily debauch of cleanliness it is his privilege if he squanders the fleeting moments brushing teeth cleaning fingernails and such technicalities it stands to reason he won't have much time left to attend to his work and at the same time cultivate the essentials of life like smoking drinking and the proper valuation of a three-card draw but as i say it's up to him and outsiders who don't see merit in such a system shouldn't try to bust up his game unless they've got good footwork and a knockout punch it wasn't so much these physical refinements that riled us as the rarefied atmosphere of his general mental and moral altitudes to me there's eloquence and sentiment and romance and spiritual uplift in a real full-grown black-whiskered cuss-word it's a great help in a mountainous country profanity is like steam in a locomotive takes more to run you uphill than on the level and inasmuch as there's only a few men on the level a violent vocabulary is a necessity and appeals to me like a certificate of good character and general capability there wasn't a thing doing with prosser in the idiom line however his moral make-up was like his body big and sound and white and manicured and although his talk alongside of ours listened like it was skimmed and seminaried still when we got to know him we found that his verbal structures had vital organs and hair on their chest just like anybody else's and at the same time had the advantage of being fit to send through the mails he had left a widowed mother and come north on the main chance like the rest of us only he originated farther east what made the particular ten strike with us was the pride he took in that same mother he gloried in her and talked about her in that hushed and nervous way a man speaks about a real mother or a regular sweetheart we men folks liked him all the better for it i say we men for he was a shine with the women all nine of them the camp was fifteen hundred strong that winter over and above which was the aforesaid galaxy of nine stranded on their way up river to a dawson dance hall the yukon froze up and they had to winter with us of course there were the three married ladies too living with their husbands back on the birch ridge but we never saw them and they didn't count the others went to work at eckhart's theatre monty would have been right popular at eckert's he was a handsome lad but he couldn't see those people with a field-glass they simply scandalized him to death 
i love to dance said he one night as we looked on and the music sends thrills through me but i won't do it why not i asked this is alaska be democratic you're not so awfully nice that a dance-hall girl will contaminate you oh it's not democracy that i lack nor contamination that i'm afraid of he replied it's the principle back of it all if we encourage these girls in the lives they lead we're just as bad as they are look here son when i quit salt water i left all that garbage and build water talk about guilt and responsibility behind the days are too short the nights are too cold and grub is too dear for me to spare time to theorize i take people the way i take work and play just as they come and i'd advise you to do the same no sir i won't associate with gamblers and crooks so why should i hobnob with these women they're worse than the men for all the gamblers have lost is their honesty every time i see these girls i think of the little mother back home it's awful suppose she saw me dancing with them well that's a bad line of talk and i couldn't say much of course when the actresses found out how he felt they came back at him strong but he wrapped himself up in his dignity and held himself aloof when he came to town so he didn't seem to mind it it was one afternoon in january cold and sharp that ollie merceau's team went through the ice just below our camp she was a great dog puncher and had the best team in camp seven fine malamutes which she drove every day when the animals smelled our place they ran away and dragged her into the open water below the hot springs she was wet for ten minutes and by the time she had got out and stumbled to our bunkhouse she was all in another ten minutes with the quick at thirty below would have finished her but we rushed her in by the fire and made her drink a glass of hooch martin got her parka off somehow while i slashed the strings to her mucklucks and had her little feet rubbed red as berries before she'd quit apologizing for the trouble she'd made a fellow learns to watch toes pretty close in the winter lord stop your talk we said this is the first chance we have had to do anything for a lady in two years it's a darn right pleasure for us to take you in this way indeed she chattered well it isn't mutual and we all laughed we roused up a good fire and made her take off all the wet clothes she felt she could afford to then wrung them out and hung them up to dry we made her gulp down another whiskey too after which i gave her some footgear and she slipped into one of martin's mackinaw shirts we knew just how faint and shaky she felt but she was dead game and joked with us about it i never realized what a cute trick she was till i saw her in that great coarse blue shirt with her feet in beaded moccasins her yellow hair tousled and the sparkle of adventure in her bright eyes she stood out like a nugget by candlelight backed as she was by the dingy bark walls of our cabin i suppose it was a bad instant for prosser to appear he certainly cued in wrong and found the sight shocking to his plymouth rock proprieties the raw liquor we had forced on her had gone to her head a bit as it will when you're fresh from the cold and your stomach is empty so her face was flushed and had a pretty reckless daring look to it she had her feet high up on a chair too not so very high either where they were thawing out under the warmth of the oven and we were all laughing at her story of the mishap monty stopped on recognizing who she was while the surprise in his face gave way to disapproval 
we could see it as plain as if it was blazoned there in printer's ink and it sobered us the girl removed her feet and stood up miss marceau has just had an accident i began but i saw his eyes were fastened on the bottle on the table and i saw also that he knew what caused the fever in her cheeks too bad he said coldly if i can be of any assistance you'll find me down in the shaft house and out he walked i knew he didn't intend to be inhospitable that was just his infernal notion of decency and that he refused to be a party to anything as devilish as this looked but it wasn't according to the alaska code and it was like a slap in the girl's face i am quite dry she said i'll be going now you will not you'll stay to supper and drive home by moonlight says we why you'd freeze in a mile and we made her listen to us during the meal prosser never opened his mouth except to put something into it but his manner was as full of language as an oration he didn't thaw out the way a man should when he sees strangers wading into the grub he's paid a dollar a pound for and when we'd finally sent the young woman off martin turned on him young feller said he and his eyes were black i've rattled around for thirty years and seen many a good and many a bad man but i never before seen such an intelligent damn fool as you are what do you mean said the boy you've broke about the only law that this here country boasts of the law of hospitality he didn't mean it that way i spoke up did you monty certainly not i'd help anybody out of trouble man or woman but i refuse to mix with that kind of people socially that kind of people yelled the old man and what's the matter with that kind of people you come creeping out of the milk and water east all pink and perfumed up and when you get into a bacon and beans country where people sweat instead of perspiring you wrinkle your nose like a calf and whine about the kind of people you find what do you know about people anyhow did you ever want to steal of course not said prosser who kept his temper did you ever want to drink whiskey so bad you couldn't stand it no did you ever want to kill a man no were you ever broke and friendless and hopeless why i can't say i ever was and you've never been downright hungry either where you didn't know if you'd ever eat again have you then what license have you got to blame people for the condition you find them in how do you know what brought this girl where she is oh i pity any woman who is adrift in the world if that's what you mean but i won't make a pet out of her just because she is friendless she must expect that when she chooses her life her kind are bad bad all through they must be not on your life decency runs deeper than the hives trouble with you said i you've got a juvenile standard things are all good or all bad in your eyes and you can't like a person unless the one overbalances the other when you are older you'll find that people are like gold mines with a thin streak of pay on bedrock and lots of hard digging above i didn't mean to be discourteous our man continued but i'll never change my feelings about such things mind you i'm not preaching nor asking you to change your habits all i want is a chance to live my own life clean the mail came in during march five hundred pounds of it and the camp went daffy monty had the dogs harnessed ten minutes after we got the news and we drove the four miles in seventeen minutes i've known men with sweethearts outside but i never knew one to act gladder than monty did at the thought of hearing from his mother 
you must come and see us when you make your pile he told me or what's better we'll go east together next spring and surprise her won't that be great we'll walk in on her in the summer twilight while she is working in her flower garden can't you just see the green trees and smell the good old smells of home the catbirds will be calling and the grass will be clean and sweet while well, i'm so tired of the cold and the snow and the white white mountains that i can hardly stand it he ran on in that vein all the way to town glad and hopeful and boyish and i wondered why with his earnestness and loyalty and broad shoulders he had never loved any woman but his mother when i was twenty-three my whole romantic system had been mangled and shredded from heart to gizzard still some men get their age all in a lump their boys up until the last minute then they get the rip van winkle while you wait this morning was bitter but the sourdoughs were lined up outside the store waiting their turns like a crowd of parsifal first-nighters so we fell in with the rest whipping our arms and stamping our moccasins till the chill ate into our very bones it took hours to sort the letters but not a man whimpered when you wait for vital news attention comes that chokes complaint there was no joking here nor that elephantine persiflage which marks rough men when they foregather in the wilderness they were the fellows who blazed the trail bearded shaggy and not pretty to look at for they all knew hardship and went out strong-hearted into this silent land jesting with danger and singing in the solitudes here in the presence of the male they laid aside their cloaks of carelessness and saw one another bared to the quick timid with hunger for the wives and little ones behind there were a few like prosser in whom there was still the glamour of the northland and the mystery of the unknown but they were scattered and in their eyes the anxious light was growing also five months is a wearying time and silent suspense will sap the courage if only one could banish worry but the long unbearable nights when the mind leaps and scurries out into the voids of conjecture like sparks from a chimney well it's then you roll in your bunk and your sigh ain't from the snowshoe pain a half-frozen man in an ice-clogged dory had brought us our last news one october day just before the river stopped and now after five months the curtain parted again i saw mcgill the lawyer in the line ahead of me and noted the greyness of his cheeks the nervous way his lips worked and the futile wandering uselessness of his hands then i remembered when his letter came the fall before it said the wife was very low that the crisis was near and that they would write again in a few days he had lived this endless time with fear stalking at his shoulder he had lain down with it nightly and risen with it grinning at him in the slow cold dawn the boys had told me how well he fought it back week after week but now edging inch by inch toward the door behind which lay his message it got the best of him i wrung his hand and tried to say something i want to run away he quavered but i'm afraid to when we got in at last we met men coming out and in some faces we saw the marks of tragedy others smiled and these put heart into us old man tomlinson had four little girls back in idaho he got two letters one was a six months old tax receipt the other a laundry bill 
that meant three months more of silence when my turn came and i saw the writing of the little woman something gripped me by the throat while i saw my hands shake as if they belonged to somebody else my news was good though and i read it slowly some parts twice then at last when i looked up i found mcgill near me unconsciously we had both sought a quiet corner but he had sunk on to a box now as i glanced at him i saw what made me shiver the fear was there again naked and ugly for he held one lonesome letter and its inscription was in no woman's hand he had crouched there by my side all this time staring 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 at it afraid to read afraid to open it some men smile in their agony shifting their pitiful masks to the last others curse and no two will take their blows alike mcgill was plucking feebly at the end of his envelope tearing off tiny bits dropping the fragments at his feet now and then he stopped and when he did he shuddered buck up old pal i said then recognizing me he thrust the missive into my hand tell me for god's sake tell me quick i can't no wait wait not yet don't tell me i'll know from your face they said she couldn't live but she had and he watched me so fiercely that when the light came into my face he snatched the letter from me like a madman oh give it to me give it to me i knew it i told you they couldn't fool me no sir i felt all the time she'd make it why i knew it in my marrow what's the date i inquired september thirtieth he said then as he realized how old it was he began to worry again why didn't they write later they must know i'll eat my heart out suppose she's had a relapse that's it they wrote too soon and now they don't dare tell me she got worse died months ago and they're afraid to let me know stop it i said and reasoned sanity back into him monty had taken his mail and run off like a puppy to feast in quiet so i went over to eckert's and had a drink sam winked at me as i came in a man was reading from a letter go on i'm interested said the proprietor the fellow was getting full pretty fast and was down to the garrulous stage but he began again dear husband i am sorry to hear that you have been so unfortunate but don't get discouraged i know you will make a good miner if you stick to it long enough don't worry about me i have rented the front room to a very nice man for fifteen dollars a week the papers here are full of a gold strike in siberia just across bering sea from where you are if you don't find something during the next two years why not try it over there for a couple that's what i call a persevering woman said eckert solemnly she's a business woman too said the husband all i ever got for that room was seven fifty a week it seemed i'd missed montague at the store but when the crowd came out ollie marceau found him away in at the back having gone there to be alone with his letters she saw the utter abandon and grief in his pose and the tears came to her eyes impulsively she went up and laid her hand on his bowed head she had followed the frontier enough to know the signs oh mr prosser she said i'm so sorry is it the little mother yes he answered without moving not not she hesitated i don't know the letters are up to the middle of december and she was very sick then with the quick sentiment of her kind the girl spoke to him forgetting herself her life 
his prejudice everything except the lonely little grey woman off there who had waited and longed just as such another had waited and longed for her and inasmuch as ollie had suffered before as this boy suffered now in her words there was a sweet sympathy and a perfect understanding it was very fine i think coming so from her and when the first shock had passed over he felt that here among all these rugged men there was no one to give him the comfort he craved except this child of the dance-halls compassion and sympathy he could get from any of us but he was a boy and this was his first grief so he yearned for something more something subtler perhaps the delicate comprehension of a woman at any rate he wouldn't let her leave him and the tender-hearted lass poured out all the best her warm nature afforded in a few days he braced up however and stood his sorrow like the rest of us it made him more of a man in many ways for one thing he never scoffed now at any of the nine women which taken as an indication was good in fact i saw him several times with the marceau girl for he found her always ready and responsive and came to confide in her rather than in martin or me which was quite natural martin spoke about it first i hate to see em together so much said he one of em is going to fall in love sure and it won't be reciprocated none it would serve him right to get it hard but if she's hit it'll be too damn pitiful you and i will have to combine forces and beat him up i reckon the days were growing long and warm the hills were coming bare on the heights while the snow packed wet at midday when we went into town to sled out grub for the clean-up we found everybody else there for the same purpose so the sap began to run through the camp we were loading at the trading post the next day when i heard the name of ollie marceau it was a big-limbed fellow from alder creek talking and as he showed no liquor in his face what he said sounded all the worse i have heard as bad many a time without offence for there is no code of loyalty concerning these girls but ollie had got my sympathy somehow and i resented the remarks particularly the laughter so did prosser the puritan he looked up from his work white and dangerous don't talk that way about a girl he said to the stranger and it made a sensation among the crowd i never knew a man before with courage enough to kick in public on such subjects as it was the man said something so much worse that right there the front busted out of the tiger cage and for a few brief moments we were given over to chaos i had seen whitewater walloped and i knew how full of parlor tricks the kid was but this time he went insane he knocked that man off the counter at the first pass and climbed him with his hobnails as he lay on the floor a fight is a fight and a good thing for spectators and participants for it does more to keep down scurvy than anything i know of but the thud of those heavy boots into that helpless flesh sickened me and we rushed prosser out of there while he struggled like a maniac i never saw such a complete reversal of form somewhere away back yonder that boy's forefathers were pirates or cannibals or butchers when the fog had cleared out of his brain the reaction was just as powerful i took him alone while the others worked over the alder creek party and all at once my man fell apart like wet sawdust what made me do it what made me do it 
he cried i'm crazy why i tried to kill him and yet what he said is true that's the worst of it it's true think of it i fought for her what am i coming to after the clean-up we came to camp waiting for the river to break and the first boat to follow it was then that the suspense began to tell on our partner he read and re-read his letters but there was little hope in them and now with no work to do he grew nervous added to everything else our food ran short and we lived on scraps of whatever was left over from our winter grub stake just out of cussedness the break-up was ten days late the ten longest days i ever put in but eventually it came and a week later also came the mail we needed food and clothes we needed whiskey we needed news of the great distant world but all we thought of was our mail the boy had decided to go home we were sorry to see him leave too for he had the makings of a real man in him even if he shaved three times a week but no sooner was the steamer tied than he came plunging into my tent like a moose laughing and dancing in his first gladness the mother was well again later i went aboard to give him the last lonesome good wishes of the fellow who stays behind and fights along for another year the big freighter with her neat staterooms and long glass-burdened tables awoke a perfect panic in me to be going with him to shake this cruel country and drift back to the home and the wife and the pies like mother made i found him on the top deck with the marceau girl who was saying good-bye to him there was a look about her i had never seen before and all at once the understanding and the bitter irony of it struck me this poor waif hadn't had enough to stand so love had come to her just as kink had predicted a hopeless love which she would have to fight the way she fought the whole world it made me bitter and cynical but i admired her nerve she was dressed for the sacrifice trim and well curried as a thousand-dollar pony back of her smile though i saw the waiting tears and my heart bled spring is a fierce time for romance anyhow there wasn't time to say much so i squeezed monty's hand like a cider press god bless you lad you must come back to us i said but he shook his head and i heard the girl's breath catch i continued come on ollie i'll help you ashore we stood on the bank there together and watched the last of him tall and clear-cut against the white of the wheelhouse and it seemed to me when he had gone that something bright and vital and young had passed out of me leaving in its stead discouragement and darkness and age would you mind walking with me up to my cabin ollie asked of course not i said and we went down the long street past the theatre the trading post and the saloon till we came to the hill where her little nest was perched every one spoke and smiled to her and she answered in the same way though i knew she was on parade and holding herself with firm hands as we came near to the end and her pace quickened however and i guessed the panic that was on her to be alone where she could drop her mask and become a woman a poor weak grief-stricken woman but when we were inside at last her manner astounded me she didn't throw herself on her couch nor go to pieces as i had dreaded but turned on me with burning eyes and her hands tight clenched while her voice was throaty and hoarse the words came tumbling out in confusion i've let him go she said yes and you helped me 
only for you i'd have broken down but i want you to know i've done one good thing at last in my miserable life i've held in here he never knew he never knew oh god what fools men are yes i said you did mighty well he's a sensitive chap and if you'd broken down he'd have felt awful bad what she grasped me by the coat lapels and shook me yes that weak little woman shook me while her face went perfectly livid he'd have felt badly eh man man didn't you see are you blind why he asked me to go with him he asked me to marry him think of it that great wonderful man asked me to be his wife me olive marceau the dancer oh oh isn't it funny why don't you laugh i didn't laugh i stood there picking pieces of fur out of my cap and wondering if ever i should see another woman like this one she paced about over the skin rugs tearing at the throat of her dress as if it choked her there were no tears in her eyes but her whole frame shook and shuddered as if from great cold deep set in her bones why didn't you go i asked stupidly you love him don't you you know why i didn't go she cried fiercely i couldn't how could i go back and meet his mother some day she'd find me out and it would spoil his life no no if only she hadn't recovered no i don't mean that either i'm not his kind that's all oh god i let him go i let him go and he never knew she was writhing now on her bed in a perfect frenzy calling to him brokenly stretching out her arms while great dry coughing sobs wrenched her little one i said unsteadily and my throat ached so that i couldn't trust myself you're a brave girl and you're his kind or anybody's kind with that the rain came and so i left her alone with her comforting misery when i told kink he sputtered like a pinwheel and every evening thereafter we too went up to her house and sat with her we could do this because she'd quit the theatre the day the boat took prosser away and she wouldn't heed eckert's offers to go back i'm through with it for good she told us though i don't know what else i'm good for you see i don't know anything useful but i suppose i can learn now if i wasn't married already i said hm snorted kink i ain't so young as neither one of my partners miss but i'm possessed of rare intellectual treasures she laughed at both of us when a week had passed after the first boat went down with prosser we began to look daily for the first up-river steamer bringing word direct from the outside world it came one midnight and as we were getting dressed to go to the landing our tent was torn open and montague tumbled in upon us what brought you back we questioned when we'd finished mauling him it was june and the nights were as light as day in this latitude so we could see his face plainly why uh he hesitated for an instant then threw back his head squared his great young shoulders and looked us in the eyes while all his embarrassment fled i came back to marry olive marceau said he i came to take her back home to the little mother he stared out wistfully at the distant southern mountains effulgent and glorified by the midnight sun which lay so close behind their crests and i winked at martin she's left what he whirled quickly the theatre and i don't suppose you can see her until tomorrow. disappointment darkened his face 
besides kink added gloomily when you quit her like a dog i slicked myself up some and i ain't any way sure she'll care to see you now only just as a friend of mine notice i've cut my whiskers don't you we made monty pay for that instant's hesitation the last he ever had and then i said you walk up the river trail for a quarter of a mile and wait if i can persuade her to come out at this hour i'll send her to you no you couldn't find her she's moved since you left i wouldn't gamble none on her meetin you martin said discouragingly and combed out his new-mown beard with ostentation she was up the moment i knocked and when i said that a man needed help i heard her murmur sympathetically as she dressed when we came to our tent i stopped her he's up yonder a piece said i you run along while i fetch kink and the medicine kit we'll overtake you is it anything serious yes it's apt to be unless you hurry he seems to think he needs you pretty badly and so she went up the river trail to where he was waiting her way golden with the beams of the sun whose rim peeped at her over the far-off hills and there in the free still air among the virgin spruce with the clean sweet moss beneath their feet they met the good sun smiled broadly at them now and the grim yukon hurried past chuckling under its banks and swiggering among the roots while the song it sang was of spring and of long bright days that had no night End of story nine.